I'm Audrey Hollenberg Duffy. And I'm her husband, Tim Hollenberg Duffy. We are a married couple doing pastoral ministry together under the faith umbrella of Anabaptism and Radical Pietism, more specifically in the Church of the Brethren, and most importantly, for Jesus. We've always enjoyed chats about faith life because we found in each other a companion that gets us, even when it doesn't feel like we fit in the boxes of American life or mainstream American Christianity. We believe the Church is crucial to faith and practice, and yet also accept that religious institutions are crumbling. We believe being disciples of Jesus Jesus rarely fits a pre-made container. So join us for our meanderings as we try to find a faithful Jesus way forward. Welcome to this episode of Coffee with the Pastors, the podcast. As is our practice, we open with a time to recognize where God has been in our midst recently. So Tim, where have you noticed God? Well, we've had some really meaningful Lenten worships here recently, but one that was um, particularly meaningful and an experience of God for me was being able to do some music with some um, friends at, at church here recently and being able to just soak in some of that reflective time. A soloist sang just that simple refrain, Give Me Jesus, at one point, and it was just what I needed to experience some of the the rest, the peace of God in an otherwise really busy Lenten season. I mean, really busy, right? Mm -hmm. We always add things during Lent, and that was a good opportunity to just pause, see God at work in the midst of it all. And remember why you're doing what you're doing is Jesus. (laughs) That's right. Just give me Jesus. It's just uh, such a beautiful, simple refrain. Mm -hmm. I love that song. So what about you, Audrey? Where have you seen God here recently? Well, ironically, again, it was it's a church thing. So God, God shows up God in church. God shows up in church. Holy cow! Yeah, anyone at Oakton, I think this will be a story that's told for a while, uh, if not for generations. We had a children's story where the the person that was leading the children's story during worship asked the kids, why did Jesus come? And out of the mouth of babes... uh, Four-year-old? Yeah, she just turned five, said, Jesus came so that no one would be hurt. And everyone just kind of like took in a big breath after she said it. And, you know, the person that was doing the children's story cried a little and I think a lot of people teared up and we were overcome by such a simple yet profound statement about pain and what Jesus is to us and to- oh, yeah it was like it was such a simple answer and yet it was a step deeper than the Sunday school answer right, right? and like oh yeah it yeah. was just profound and the fact that it came out of a, a fairly shy now five-year-old was just like you know it was a moment where sometimes the children have a greater grasp and and you know they're not jaded from all the other things that they they can understand such a reality found out later her Sunday school teacher said that they were learning about the good Samaritan which of course is you know he gets physically hurt uh, and and the story is about helping him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some connections there, but she she made the connection to Jesus and how Jesus doesn't want us to be hurt and in pain and very beautiful. Awesome. It was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. So 
this podcast, we're dropping it a little early so that we hope it will bring some meaning to the flow of your Holy Week. So we wanted to uh, give some Coffee with the Pastors reflection on the flow of Holy Week. It's something that, as brethren, um, we haven't put a whole lot of stock in these kind of season movements, especially in comparison to other denominations. But I think Holy Week is one of those weeks where we do actually have some intentionality. So I thought, let's let's start by just kind of outlining Holy Week. What are the different days? What do the days kind of symbolize? And how do we move through Holy Week? Sure. Yeah, so Holy Week comes at the very end of Lent. It's the last uh, full week of Lent, beginning with Palm Sunday, continuing through Maundy Thursday, which is a funny word, but Maundy, M-A-U-N-D-Y. <laughs> and then uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, Easter Sunday. And truly, really, yeah, it really is a sequence that's meant to be experienced, yeah. right? Yeah, and it has a flow to it that, that really, you know, each day builds on the other. I know there's some other traditions where even like the Monday through Wednesday of Holy Week have different things, but for the for the purpose of this, we're just going to kind of hit the points that are more, I don't know, more traditional to brethren, even though there's not really much tradition around this. So let's start with Palm Sunday. What is Palm Sunday? Well, Palm Sunday is the joyful celebration of Jesus's triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Uh, it is noted usually in worship with the waving of palm branches, like in the story uh, where people wave palm branches, lay their cloaks and their robes on the on the ground for Jesus to to uh, process in, in into the city. At Oakton, we'll have the kids wave around palm branches and and the like, and we'll read the story, and it'll be a, a fairly joyful joyful service the king's arrival mm-hmm. right it's also funny because it's the it's a huge example of the irony of the kingdom yeah you know that it it in so many ways we we've lost our connection to the fact that it's modeled after some type of like military victory parade but everything about it is turned on its head like Jesus isn't riding in on a on a horse, right? But a donkey, right? <laughs> um, right. This kind of this lowly beast of burden animal, rather than you know some type of powerful symbol. The, the and of course his victory isn't quite what it seems like it's going to be. <laughs> right? Yeah, and and yeah. that kind of helps frame the week ahead. Yeah. To see what is about to happen as victory, even though. All signs point to it being the, the opposite of a victory. It looks like defeat, right? Right. But this kind of helps to frame it. It is one of the hardest worships for pastors to plan because you go from this triumphant moment and then you, you have to prepare the church to move into Holy Week, which is going to have some of its lowest moments in church history reminds us of our own lowest moments so oftentimes we're trying to like start the worship with this celebration and then make everyone depressed by the time we end worship and it's reflective reflective yeah yeah it's it's a time for self-examination really as you leave palm sunday Mm -hmm. um because hopefully you do experience 
the joy of celebration of, right. of Christ the King, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yet hopefully there's some there's something some discomfort, to, yeah, right, and and it being a full celebration because we're not at Easter yet. There's a lot that's right. going to happen, and so you're conflicted even as you celebrate. Right there's and there's a piece of my celebration that I'm missing the point. Yeah, right. Sure. Um, that I just don't fully get this, right? That mm-hmm. I'm along with the crowd, I'm along with the mob. Mm-hmm. It will eventually turn into a mob. Right. And uh, yeah, and this is in part an adventure and missing the point, which is another theme of the Gospels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, constantly the followers are missing the point. And yeah. maybe to a certain extent, this is no different. Mm-hmm. So then we move from there. We've, we've got Monday through Wednesday, which are usually kind of quiet days, and we get to Maundy Thursday, which in the Brethren, of course, is when we often practice love feast because of the ways in which it outlines what would have happened on that day as we're leading to Easter. So talk about some of the things that are on that day. Yeah, so on that day in the, in the biblical story, Jesus sits down with his disciples for the uh, for the Passover meal, and during that special supper, that last supper, he washes their feet. In the Gospel of John, he washes their feet. In all of the Gospels, there's some kind of an institution of the symbols of communion, of bread and cup. Uh, much more loose in the Gospel of John, but yeah, the synoptics not, have it. It's not tied to that Last <clears throat> Supper in John's Gospel. Right. There is there is the Jesus calling himself the bread. Right. Which is tied to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, he also is predicting betrayal, um, denial, and, and the different Gospels doing different measures to prepare the disciples for the, the suffering that is to come. So, in Church of the Brethren circles, as Audrey said, often this is the night that we hold our love feast, which is usually one of the more somber, reflective Mm -hmm. um, nights of the year, right? I mean, sometimes if brethren do another love feast during the year, it might have uh, a different kind of feel to it that's Mm -hmm. more uh, uplifting, community building, that kind of a spirit. But this one's really about reflecting on on the gift and the sacrifice mm-hmm. and the ultimate love of Christ right right yeah and we kind of we prepare for that in community mm-hmm. um, we prepare for the reality of what is going to take place over the next couple of days in the life of Jesus by embedding ourselves in the supportive mm-hmm. community but then we also intentionally, at least how we typically frame it, is we send people out into the darkness at the end of Love Feast, mm-hmm. recognizing that in the next 24 hours, Jesus is going to die. Right. And so there's some self-reflection and you know recognition of that deep grief and pain that is kind of our individual responsibility to spend time with and so we often send people into that kind of self-reflective mode you know we often try to encourage the brethren to leave quietly but brethren are so practical as soon as the service is over we end up everybody chip in everybody chips in and cleans up so sometimes we lose that um but the hope is you know as people are leaving and are heading into good friday that we can we can focus on the reality of darkness and sin and death and pain and grief yeah so then good friday um keeping with this ironic 
kind of theme, or what makes Good Friday good. It's a day of the cross. It's the day of sacrifice and death. Yeah, why would this be such a good thing? I feel like every every children's class, youth group that studies this thing asks that same question. I don't understand why this is good. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and that's the right question. That is the right question. <laughs> it is. It's about it's about the suffering of Christ. So well, why is why is this good? And in fact, this is the day that we are to kind of confront the worst parts of of ourselves and our society, right? And engage in this reflective exercise of confession. What's my part in the suffering of Christ, of the grief of, of Christ and Christ's body, right? And just claim that, acknowledge that. How am I part of the mob? Or what mobs exist in my world today that I've gotten wrapped up in? So, of course, on Good Friday, Jesus dies. Mm -hmm. And then for the next, really, two days, but really embodied on what is called Holy Saturday, is this idea that God is dead. And so Holy Saturday is a day of emptiness where I think we're invited to reflect on what it would be like if God did not exist, right? God is dead. God died on the cross. And I, I, I think about when there's a loud explosion in the movies, they often kind of capture the disorienting nature of the aftermath with this like ringing sound mm. or sometimes like even yourself if, if something's really loud you hear this ringing in your ears mm -hmm. for a while to me that's what holy saturday is mm. this big horrific explosion and then the aftermath being just this ringing in our ears i can't imagine what the disciples felt like on that day where they had just witnessed the brutal killing of their teacher and Lord that they had just spent the last three years with. And so we're, I think, invited to put ourselves in that experience alongside the disciples of both thinking about, again, continuing to reflect on our part in Jesus being on the cross, but also considering what it would be like to live without God for a day. Yeah. And that's a hard pit to live in, right? I mean, I think in some years I've experienced that more than others. You know, some years uh, when we've been a part of a community crosswalk on Good Friday and then really have nothing to do on, on Holy Saturday. Like we've got Easter morning planned. It is just quiet. I think I've, I've sat in that reality on more than many other years when there's stuff to attend to or egg hunts to go to or right. right whatever activities that we're trying to cram into a little hod holiday weekend right that that really don't jive with the essence of holy saturday right right mm -hmm. but yeah it's it'd be an interesting invitation to to anyone to truly set aside those those two days to to experience and in, into the pit and you might not be in a place that you really want to go all the way in but Mm -hmm. Set aside at least some silence on that day mm -hmm. for some reflective time, some prayer time. And so I think if we if we have followed along with this process thus far, by the time we get to Easter morning, the joy of Easter is multiplied tenfold. 
because we have allowed ourselves not, it's not just that we're, you know, going about regular life and now we get to go on the mountain. We have been taken down to the pits of Sheol, right? Right. right. The depths, the deepest depths. And now we get to go to the mountaintop of Easter morning um, where it just, it becomes so much more significant than, than anything else. Yeah. Well, that's what that's where those Easter sunrise services can be so powerful, mm-hmm. right? When you when you have experienced the last two days and you're just sitting there waiting on that sun to rise, mm-hmm. right? That that new hope to emerge to shine light into the empty tomb. It's like, yes, I couldn't wait another moment mm-hmm. for this to happen. Mm-hmm. I am so glad it came. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Easter morning. Yeah, we want to fill that with as much exuberant new life joy as we possibly can because this is this is the pinnacle of our faith. Right. Right? A God who does not stay dead, right? Mm-hmm. Who cannot stay dead. Right. It was an illusion to think that uh, we could live in a world without God. Right. Right? And God is here and wants to be here and wants us to to be a part of this body of Christ. Right. Yeah, and so not only, I think, does this movement of Holy Week provide significant ways for us to connect with God and God's purpose in the world for that Easter season, but I think it communicates something important and significant into our lives when we are experiencing our own moments of grief and pain and darkness. Mm-hmm. The early church started worshiping on Sunday mornings because of Easter. Each Sunday became a little Easter. Mm -hmm. And so they were trying to carry this significant moment into all aspects of their faith life. And so not only then do we see Sundays as little Easter's, but there are going to be times where we experience little deaths Mm -hmm. (laughs) that... When we've walked with Jesus through his death, it communicates something into our little deaths. What are some examples of a little death? Well, I mean, any moment of, of grief or loss can be can be a little death. You know, not not getting the job you wanted or get, being delayed in, in some, some achievement at work or graduation from school or those kind of things. Those are little deaths. Losing a loved one can be a little death. And some little deaths are bigger than others. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Oh. Um, the pandemic certainly was a, like a little death mm-hmm. uh, and a literal death for, for many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this, this idea that God brings new life out of the death of Jesus, both in a literal sense in that we celebrate the resurrected Jesus... On Easter and the new life that's available to us through Jesus mm-hmm. when we remember that theme we can begin to see that theme throughout Scripture we can see how God makes things new throughout Scripture not only in the story of Jesus this is part of God's character to make things new but we can also see how God is in the process of making things new out of our own little deaths. Hmm. That God is working to redeem these grief moments for something good. And and 
that becomes kind of a, a helpful alternative to the prosperity gospel that is just not compelling mm -hmm. in that it, very few people uh, actually experience the good news of the gospel in a way that makes them physically prosperous. Mm -hmm. um, that often becomes a stopping point for people of faith when bad things happen. They're like, but I believe in Jesus, so therefore nothing bad can happen to me. That's actually not what the good news is. Um, and all you have to do is look to a God who dies on a cross to know that God's love is not necessarily going to lead towards prosperous living. But what it does say is that God is always at work trying to make things new and redeem things, to redeem things for good, even in our deaths. And sometimes things have to die in order for us to receive that which is good and best for us. And yeah, and it, and some some little deaths there they are simply inevitable, right? Things come to an end. Right. Right? But that doesn't mean that God comes to an end, right? right. Or the love of God comes to an end. Um, that's gonna that's gonna keep going. If we remember that at Christmas we proclaim that God is Emmanuel, that God is with us. Mm-hmm. And then we pair that with Easter, where God, through Jesus on the cross, dies, but is resurrected. It reminds us that there is nothing that can separate us from God. No death, no grief. No sin. No sin, no darkness. Because of Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's presence with us, there is nothing that can separate us from God. That is the message that Easter proclaims that we have to carry with us through every aspect of living even outside of holy week mm -hmm. that even as we make our own way into graves that god is working to bring new life all along the way that is, that is god's character from the beginning of scripture to the end of scripture and the way scripture continues to be embodied yeah. in the lives of people well thank you for joining us on this uh, exploration we welcome feedback and further conversation if you'd like to reach out to us feel free to message us at coffee with the pastors podcast at gmail.com there will be no podcast next week because we'll be taking a little post easter vacation we'll return on april 18th with a podcast to prepare us for earth day so until next time this has been coffee with the pastors live for the glory of god and our neighbor's good the primary purpose of this podcast is for conversation and faith exploration. It is intended for the private, non-commercial use and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of any agency or organization. In this podcast, references were made to the following resources. Dem Dry Bones, Preaching Death and Hope by Luke A. Powery. And the sign-off is a quote from Christopher Sowers Printing Press. Check out any of these for more information.